welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Step four. When do we want to stop? 10.30? Is that okay with you guys? Stop at 10.30? It's 10 now. Yep. Can you stand another half hour of this? Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, for the fourth and fifth step, being, we've kind of done a pretty quick run through here at first five. Um, just to let you guys know, tomorrow when there's the option for a hike, I think we're going to. We're going to say maybe if you if we want to if anybody wants some extra work with especially three through five or four and five we'll stay here right We're available. And, and be available for that so you um, either take a hike or get a life yeah yeah that's our we came up with that theme today the hike theme is take a hike or get a life that's right or the or the the theme from twelve fifteen onward is take a hike. Take a hike or get a life. Uh, there we go. Um, all right, fourth step here. I got a few minutes to talk about that. Um, I'd like to say one go, thing. Yeah, go ahead. And that's to put this in perspective. When I work through the steps with guys, you know, like I said, I, I work a step a week. Usually it's on a Sunday night, but it's going on every night of the week. It just depends on how calendars work and availability or whatever. But my sponsor said, you know, bring your big book and your 12 and 12. Well, that's what I asked, that people come over with their big book and their 12 and 12. But they also download uh, Joe and Charlie. And Joe and Charlie used to do a weekend similar to what we're doing. And they were great. And I understand there's a lot of other guys that go out and do a 12-step uh, workshop on now, the thing about Joe and Charlie is they really focused on the big book, and they kind of went through it line by line, and God, those guys were great. I mean, it was a solid program, and not only, I mean, they were funny as can be, had a lot of humor, had a lot of history, so they would talk about the big book in its draft, and you know, how it got changed, and why it got changed, and why things are in there, and there was a, just a tremendous amount of knowledge and understanding there. So when I worked with my sponsor, we spent a lot of time reading in the big book and also reading in the 12 and 12. But with the miracle of modern media, you know, people can listen to this stuff during the week at their leisure and cover the stuff in the big book. And then when we sit down, you know, I'm going through the the uh, 12 and 12, but. I go back and reference into the big book, you know, a little bit more than what we're doing tonight. But generally, it takes between an hour and a half to like two and a half hours 
depending upon the individual and their knowledge of 12-step programs and spiritual principles and one thing or another. You know, you, who knows how long it takes, you know, but you, what I know is to be thorough and to cover stuff. You guys are getting a really abbreviated, uh, there's an interesting word, uh, abbreviation. Why is it so long? An <laughs> uh, abbreviated version of, uh, of uh, what we're doing, but I hope it's worthwhile for you. You think it'd be appropriate to hit these real quick because we're in how it works? Sure. Um, this is, uh, I found this helpful. Is, um, being that we're in how it works here, uh, chapter 5, how it works, I'm going to read, it can, the 10 practical points is what they're called here. Con- condensing the main principles that we see um, really in the first couple of pages of how it works. It's read at meetings so often. I'm just going to read these. And if anybody wants copies, I'll be happy to give it, give it to you. Uh, the first of which, and it comes all from the book, uh, completely give yourselves to this simple program to practice rigorous honesty Next one, be willing to go to any lengths to recover. Be fearless and thorough in your practice of the principles. Realize that there is no easier, softer way. Let go of your old ideas absolutely. Recognize that half measures will not work. Ask God's protection and care with complete abandon. Be willing to grow along spiritual lines. And the last one, accept the following pertinent ideas as proved by Sexaholics Anonymous experience that you cannot manage your own life, B, that probably no human power can restore you to sanity, C, that God can and will have sought. Um, and that saves the time of having to read through the first part of how it works, which we usually do. Um, very helpful there. Um, and in the first step, or in the fourth step, in the interest of time, Obviously, we cannot read through all of the directions in the big book right now. Most important thing to realize is that um, in the fourth step, well, all right, after, you know, okay, we make this decision we just talked about in the third step, turn my will and my, our lives over to the care of God. Well, how is that decision going to be really effective? It says, next, we, I'm on the bottom of page 63, next we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first of which is a personal house cleaning, uh, fourth of the step. Um, though our decision, which was the decision that we made in the third step, was vital and crucial, as I'm sure we all agree, it will have permanent effect uh, unless it is followed at once by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. And again, here it, here it tells me that uh, sex is just a symptom. I had to get down to causes and conditions. So now this is really the point uh, of where I really get down to the meat and potatoes, to the nitty-gritty part of, of the program. And really, this is where I get pen and paper out and really start working uh, and really spending some time on this deal. And... Um, there's there's the analogy here of, uh, of the business uh, taking regular inventory and so forth, and we do the same thing with our lives. Um, real important here to to do a do a quick discussion here on resentment. 
at the bottom of page 64, the number one offender, it destroys more sexaholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we have not been only mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. Referencing again what we talked about in the first step with the mental obsession and the physical allergy, and as well as spiritually sick. And then the interesting point right here to catch uh, when, when I had this little uh, epiphany of seeing when the spiritual malady is overcome, connected to the resentment, if I get free from this spiritual malady, then I straighten out mentally and physically. So I start. So that gives us freedom from the mental and physical craziness that this disease reefs on us, right? And getting down and really making the third step effective and doing this step work here. Um, okay, and here it gives all the directions. And again, uh, if some guys want some extra help with that, we can be available tomorrow to do that. Um, The the thing in the and in, in the fourth step, you know, at the beginning of how it works, it it really presents um, this idea of rigorous honesty, uh, absolute honesty. Um, it's said a number of times. Those who do not recover are people who cannot will, will not give themselves a simple program. Usually, men and women who are constitutionally uh, incapable of being honest with themselves. So. And the first step, you know, and then the steps receding, is you know we really come to a place of recognizing our need for the program, and that without God's help, will not be restored to sanity, um, but with His help can have restoration to sanity, and then in the third step begin to have a life um, in line with what He wants for us, and. And then now in the fourth step, it, the program is now asking us to go further and to really get honest with ourselves and to begin to identify the things that are going to prevent us and that have been preventing us from having that relationship with our Creator a day at a time. And then in doing the, the fourth step, initially... That this is the you know the beginning of the process to free allow me to have a day at a time relationship with God that gives me freedom from the obsession, and then further freedom from resentment, negative any type of negative emotion under the negative emotion umbrella, fear, resentment, or what have you, and and just like we talked about with the other steps, it's so vital to um, every day in some way apply this and to me it's, it's this deal of, of rigorous honesty and well how does that look in my life today the practice of rigorous honesty and, 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 and I've realized and know that telling the truth is one of the most important things in my life and my connection with the truth is, is, is absolutely vital to my recovery and that it is 
something very tangible in that I believe that you know, God is truth, God is love. And so if I make the conscious effort to tell the truth, to be a man of the truth today, that I am hooking myself, syncing myself up to God in a real way. God is truth. Okay, so if I tell the truth, that's some pretty powerful stuff and I'm really connecting myself with power that is going to rocket my life into the fourth dimension, as they say in the, in the big book. That's incredible stuff for, for an addict to, to really start to get connected to. And the power it has changed my life and, has the power, and I've seen it change other people's lives. Um, So the main things we're dealing with in the fourth step here, as done out by the big book, is resentment, fear, and then sex. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with the last one. I think we all do well on the last one. Um, and it's it's real simple. All you do is just get out paper and pen, and you start to, and you got. Uh, you know, you got your columns for the resentment. Then you got a, a separate whole deal for fear. Um, the way I've done it is I do a fear inventory just like a resentment inventory. And uh, very similar with the sex inventory. Um, and that's the way I go through and do it. And uh, it's not a one-time deal and you're over with it. When I first did a first fourth step, I was... Uh, a year or so removed from drinking, drugging, and sexing. And um, so am I really going to expect that to be my my fourth step, my last fourth step I'm going to do for the rest of my life? I don't think so. Um, and I did one, I, I did a couple in treatment, and then I did one when I left. I did a few when I left. And now I do one yearly. Things change and new things come up, and I keep it, got to keep it recent. Um is you know I work with worth the ten step, but it is absolutely vital for me to to continue to work with this, so I can continue to grow spiritually and have a daily reprieve. Um, mm-hmm. That's difficult to keep discussing on that brief on the fourth step, but uh, but that's what we'll do. Um, and like I say, I'll be I'd be absolutely overjoyed to talk in further detail about uh, actually working through the fourth step. So, Thank you, Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to uh, introduce Bill S. Yeah. For those of you that don't know him, uh, I have sat where you're sitting uh, and Bill has been here uh, and Bill does weekend workshops like this and is a phenomenal resource and it is Bill that asked me if I would you know do this one here for you guys and uh, and if you need a good resource to talk to he's a great guy and if I were you this weekend I work him like a barred mule <laughs> and secretly he'll really love you for it uh, Step four, you know, searching in fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Why? Well, because if we don't, we're doomed. You know, and we're doomed to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. 
I don't. For some reason, I'm not real sharp, and uh, and I have to, you know, go through and try to figure out what each word means. And uh, searching, made a searching. You ever search for anything? I mean, really. I mean, like search. And for me, it's usually keys. Uh, you know, I usually put them on the counter in this bowl, but there have been times when they weren't in the bowl. <laughs> and uh, and then what do you do? Well, you search in other places. Why? You know, because it's like if I don't get my keys, I can't lock up my stuff. You know, like lock the house so that I can get my car, use the keys, and go to whatever exciting adventure it is I'm supposed to have, whether that's a dinner or a business appointment or, you know, whatever, go to the movies, you know. But the thing is, is I need the keys or I'm dead in the water. So I'm looking for the keys, and first of all, you know, I look in all the usual spots, and then when I can't find them in the usual spots, then I start looking for them in the unusual spots, and then I, you know, look behind the sofa cushions, and then I look in the refrigerator, you know, I look in the cupboards and, you know, drawers, and, you know, you haven't been in that drawer in a month. I don't care. It might be in there, you know. And I, I start searching the damn keys. And uh, that's what searching looks like. Fearless. Searching and fearless. Well, are you afraid to find them damn keys? No. <laughs> it's like, I don't care where they are. Hell, if they're in the toilet, you know, I'll fish them out and clean them up. But, you know, let's get on with it, you know. You know, I'm not going to be afraid wherever it is that I find them. I just want to get them. Moral. I hate that word. Because I was a very immoral person. And I was raised with preachers and teachers and parents and judges <laughs> that uh, talked about right and wrong and good and evil and bad. And, and I was usually in the the wrong categories and, uh, and I don't like that word I don't like being moralized too but you know I looked up that word in the dictionary and it talks about sin and you know our, our uh, 12 and 12 talks about sin too you know and, uh, <clears throat> somewhere in here it says uh, maybe on page 50 to avoid falling into confusion about the names these defects should be called, let's take a universally recognized list of major human failings. 48, thank you. The seven deadly sins of pride, greed, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, and sloth. Well, you know, sin is an old English archery term. And uh, it means to fall short of the mark. And when those monks were translating from the Greek and Latin into English, and paper was really expensive, and ink was scarce, and they didn't write anything more than they absolutely had to, and they're translating, and they're saying, falling short of the mark, you know, not achieving the ideal. It's like, oh, we'll call it sin. 
which was when the archers let go and their arrow fell short of the mark. And for some reason, I always quit. <laughs> but, you know, it's not about quitting. It's about adjusting your aim. You know, or maybe pull it back a little bit farther. You know, sin, falling short of the mark. Well, the word after sin in the dictionary, or after moral in the dictionary, is morale. Now, I like morale. I don't much care for moral, but morale, I like. And uh, military uses morale a lot and, uh, in describing the uh, attitude of the troops. And when the troops have good morale, good spirit, you know, it's good training, good equipment, good leadership. You know, we're kicking ass and taking names on the battlefield. When the troops are in low morale, we've got failure in leadership, failure in training, failure in equipment, and we're leaving our bros bloody and dead on the field of battle. Things are not good. Low morale. A searching and fearless moral inventory is nothing more than looking in the mirror of your soul and bringing to mind whatever behavior or actions that you care to think about. And how do you feel about yourself? You feel good about yourself or not? If you don't feel good about yourself or whatever it is that you've been doing, you probably need to stop doing that and put your time and energy into things that allow you to feel good about yourself, right? I mean, it ain't, as, it, as we say in South Carolina, it ain't rocket science, <laughs> I know, because I spoke for a rocket scientist, and he told me, this ain't it. <laughs> uh, so, what we're looking for is a moral inventory. Now, the big book... Uh, steal a little bit of Adam's thunder here on page 64 uh, that first paragraph it says therefore we started upon a personal inventory this was step four a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke taking a commercial inventory is a fact finding and a fact facing process it is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. Ah, I have problems. Do an inventory. Watch out for the mic. Got one of those. And I just moved. I couldn't find my regular props. But this is a dial telephone. <laughs> An old rotary dialer. You remember those? You know, the kind of shh. Okay, so we're going to go into business, and we're going to go in the phone business. And just for ease of 
math, we're going to say that we got a hundred grand and to spend on inventory, and we're going to buy twenty-five thousand dollars worth of rotary dollars. We're going to buy twenty-five thousand dollars worth of these landlines. You know, the, the ones that have the cords that are actually connected to something, a wire, and we're going to put twenty-five thousand dollars in these cordless phones. I can get about half a block away and still be talking clearly. This is connected to some wire somewhere, but this, you know, the cordless, I can get around. And this, my new Blackberry, I can go almost anywhere on the planet. And that's yeah, real clear. So, now, our, we've got $25,000 in rotary dollars. 25 in the landlines, 25 in the cordless, and 25 in the cell phones. And I can't keep these in stock. I mean, I got several different models and makes and stuff, and they're flying off the shelves. I mean, you know, the rate of inventory turnover is about six times a month, and I'm making, you know, uh, probably 30% on each and every one. And I mean, I'm making a lot of money on these wireless units. These, people don't want. You know these things anymore. Everybody wants these, and they got these things now that you get one that's here, and then you got others that you know, hook up everywhere, and they're wonderful. And I'm selling. You know, my rate of inventory turnover here is only about four times a month. It's not nearly as good a sales as the wireless, but I mean, we're making money here. These landlines, you know, I probably sold two or three in six months. You know, and I got $25,000 worth of this crap. I mean, it's like, this thing, you know, it's not working. You know, and, and rotary dialers, I haven't sold one yet. Man, I got aisles full of rotary dialers. And, you know, actually, they're a liability. People have walked in in the store and seen them. And, you know, they really like this stuff, and they're excited about this. And when they get over here, they think, this guy's an idiot. I mean, you know, he's got aisles full of rotary dollars. And if his judgment is so bad that he's got all this this stuff, you know, maybe maybe this stuff is maybe we'll go down to the sprint store and check out what they got, you know, and turn around and walk out. So I'm looking at this inventory and I'm going, look, okay. Let's have a fire sale on this stuff. And we'll take whatever we can get for it, a dime on the dollar, a nickel on the dollar, and every nickel and dime that we get, we're going to put it in the wireless and the, and the uh, cordless. And I'll keep you know, a couple of these in stock just to have them. I'll keep this one, I'll put it under glass for the museum. And whatever we got left over after the file center, you know, we're going to donate and take the tax right off on it. I mean, you know, get rid of the stuff that ain't moving, that is a liability and put it into the stuff that is really doing a good job. You know, let's have a fire sale on resentment and anger and impatience and uh, pettiness and self-pity and put our time and energy into courtesy and friendship and understanding and uh, loyalty and love compassion we did exactly the same thing with our lives we took our stock honestly 
First, we search out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations. And it goes on about resentment and stuff. Inventory is real simple. You know, and I've been going into prisons for I don't know how many years. And actually, I do know. 24 years. And uh, take a piece of paper. And, you know, that's what we have these guys doing. I mean, we have them do inventories, you know, in an hour. Four columns. Big book has three. But watch. First column is I'm resentful at. Second is the cause. Third is affects my. And the fourth column is found on the next page over. But we'll get there. First column is I'm resentful at. I've yet to meet a sexaholic that doesn't know who they're pissed at. We always know who we're pissed at. You work the column up top to bottom. First of all, you know, you get a list of all the people that were pissed off. And institutions and other things. Just whatever you got. Doesn't make any difference. Second column, the cause. I have yet to meet a sexaholic that doesn't know why they're pissed at someone. In the second column. And we're not writing novels here. Novelists don't make it. You know, if you can do it in code words, you know, just whatever it takes for you in your mind to understand, I'm resentful at Mr. Brown because of his attention to my wife, told my wife and my mistress, Brown may get my job at the office. Mrs. Jones, I'm pissed at her because she's a nut. She snubbed me. She committed her husband for drinking. He's my friend. She's a gossip. The employer, the wife. So you go down the column. First column, who we're pissed off at. Then we start at the top of the second column and work down. Why? Why are we pissed off at these people? You know, it doesn't make any difference whether it makes sense or not. If we're, if we're angry, you know, put it down. Third column, affects my... And for me, what I talk about is sex, property, and prestige. Now, you can call it sex. Everybody knows about the sex stuff. You know, either I'm going to get laid or not. And if you're going to interfere with my get laid, then we're going to have problems. And uh, you can either, you're either for me or against me. You know? <laughs> uh, and sex relations. The property is stuff. Physical stuff, you know, and prestige is the not stuff. It's not physical. It's intangible. Property is usually money, but it, you know, it can be property or stuff. And basically, the reason people do the things that they do can all be traced back to these three primary motivators: sex, the social instinct, security, and. We put him down the third column. Affects my, okay, Mr. Brown, he's pissed, I'm pissed at him because of his attention to my wife. That affects my sex relations. Uh, also, you know, about my self esteem. How does it feel to be, you know, if I'm going to be cuckolded, uh, you know, somebody else is having an affair with my wife. Uh, told my wife about my mistress. Well, that pisses me off. That interferes with my sex relations and it doesn't make me look very good to, a number of people, and Brown may get my job at the office. Okay, uh, that's going to, you know, really tick me off because of my security and my self-esteem. The fourth column, if you turn the page to page 67, 
And going down to that second paragraph, it says, referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely, resolutely is one of those fun words. It's one of those re-words. Re is, in Latin, means to do again, like remember, reconnect, reunion. Uh, we resolutely, oh, wait a minute. Resolutely, that means the solution. The reason that we have resolved is because it's the solution. The reason is like, this is the answer. This is the way that we need to do it because this is how we're going to get there. We're resolved because it's the solution. We resolutely look for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Fourth column. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though the situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other guys. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. Ta-da! Our book also talks about two forms of fear. Uh, fear always takes one of two forms. Either we're going to lose something we already got, or we ain't going to get something we want. Fear and faith cannot exist in the same brain at the same time. Fear and faith cannot exist in the same brain at the same time. Now, we need to pay attention to our fear. Fear can be a good thing. You know, like if there's a bus coming down the road, get out of the road. You know, but the thing is, is it is to feel real or imagined. And if I'm scaring the hell out of myself with a bunch of imaginary fears, you know, what's going on here? You know, this is not good. Is it real or imagined? And if it's real fear, then I need to take some kind of action. But worrying is kind of like being in a rocking chair. You know, it gives you something to do, but it really doesn't get you anywhere. It also talks about the satisfaction of our instincts. And, you know, that sex property and prestige, the sex, the social relation, the security... These are all natural instincts, and we want to satisfy these desires. You've been satisfied? How long does it last? You know, I, I'm satisfied usually after a meal. You know, I have my fill, and I haven't overeaten. <laughs> Uh, blood as I have want to do, but you know the Buddhists say that you should always leave the table just a little bit hungry. What do they know? Uh, but when we've had our fill, you know I'm satisfied. I don't. No thanks. I'm full. Don't want anymore. How long does it last? Not very long. Uh, after 
sex sometimes, you know, right, right before going to sleep. You know, God, it's good. I'm satisfied. I'm ready to go to sleep. You know, I'm done. How long does it last? Sometimes not very long. But the important thing to know about satisfaction is that it's transient. And I used to live my life wanting to be satisfied all the time. And when I lived my life like that, my life was in the toilet. I don't know. know? Today, I enjoy my satisfactions when they're appropriate, knowing that they're transient. It's not going to last. Our book says that the primary fact that we failed to recognize was our inability to form true partnership with another human being. I hate that line. <laughs> My wife loves it. <laughs> uh, uh, and it is the God's honest truth. The primary fact that we failed to recognize is our inability to form true partnership with another human being. And resentment, actually it comes from the Latin resentare, which means to feel again. And you want to talk about insanity. Resentment is pure insanity. I mean, you know, it's time. Uh, I'll close with this. Resentment, it's like they did it to me once, but I conjure it up in my mind and do it to me over and over and over again. It's like, shit, they beat me once. I've got to keep beating myself over and over and over again. <laughs> Resentment is a spiritual poison that I drink hoping the other guy will die. We need to deal with the anger. And I struggled with this for a lot of years. Yeah, I was an incredibly angry man. I was the most angry man I knew, and probably the angriest guy you knew. And I wanted to know what God's use of anger was. It's one of those things that God gives us. I could be off the mark here. It doesn't say this in the literature. But I believe that the purpose of anger is God beating on our hood, trying to get our attention. We need to take some kind of action. My problem is, I had always taken inappropriate action. I want to take appropriate action. Either I need to defend myself, I need to stand up, or, you know, to deal with it in some kind of appropriate way. Today, I can deal with it. I have a lot more options. But it is only through the actions contained in the steps of this program that I have been led to the life that I have today. And I would trade it for nothing. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to David, who has some housekeeping items. Turn the recorder on. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve 
by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.